Welcome to episode 94 of the Steady On podcast, Persevering, with me, Angie Bauman, and I'm welcoming back a dear ministry friend of mine, Jody Nisnik. Jody is an absolute joy to talk with. She loves the Lord, loves the Bible, and has a confident yet gentle way of teaching. Her studies are deep dives into the life experiences of people we read about in the Bible. And in today's conversation, we take a peek at what she learned writing her latest study, Trust, a study of Joseph for persevering through life's challenges. Trusting God in our questions and confusion doesn't come easy to most of us. In fact, in my years of pastoral ministry, more than once I have grieved the loss of someone from our faith community who simply couldn't close the gap between a God who claims to love them and the circumstances in which they found themselves. Trusting God can be tricky, it can be complicated, and it's not a one and done. It's something all Jesus followers will be asked time and time again to choose as we encounter the trials of this life. Which is why I love how Jody points out a promise that we can cling to, and I'm using it as the theme verse for this episode. Genesis 50:20 in the NASB says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. Whatever has or will happen to us, God can and will use it for good when we choose to persevere by trusting in Him. I'm excited to share Jody with you again today, and I know you'll appreciate the rich conversation around standing strong in our faith when life attempts to knock us down. Let's listen in. Welcome, friend. We are so glad that you are here. I'm Angie Bauman, and back with me today is my dear ministry friend, Jody Nisnik. Jody, welcome back to the Steady On community. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be with you again. Jody is a pastor, a writer, a Bible teacher, a podcaster. Her podcast is so much more, which I had the amazing gift opportunity to be a guest on a while back. Thank you again for that invitation. And I will link Jody's podcast and that episode in today's show notes. But Jody is a, you're a prolific Bible study writer. She's written a, <laughs> a lot of Bible studies on Moses. She wrote one on Esther and Jonah, which we had a previous conversation on, and I'll link that as well. And soon to be one on Peter, right? That's coming yeah. out before too awful long. But today we're talking about her most recent one that has launched into the world. And it is a Bible study on Joseph. And so I'm just going to jump off uh, with this question, Jody. why Joseph? Why, what led you to write a Bible study upon his life? Because I will say, in my opinion, that's a pretty big undertaking because Joseph is one of the people in the Bible. We kind of have the most details about his life. There's a lot of chapters of his yeah. life and a lot of lessons yeah. there. So why tackle that? Yeah. I mean, there's actually 13 chapters dedicated to Joseph's life. And when you consider how short really the Bible is, it feels long if we're trying to read through it in like at one sitting, but reality is there's 50 chapters in Genesis, 13 of them are devoted to Joseph's life. That's a ton of material. Um, but why I chose Joseph is back when I was starting seminary, I took an old Testament class and it just, it was, you know, going through, it was kind of an overview class. And I remember reading his story maybe in detail for the first time. And as I was reading through all of a sudden I got to Genesis 41 verse one, and it says, and Joseph's in prison at this point, And it says, and after two full years passed, and I thought, what? 
And it just stunned me. And I just sat there with that verse. This is probably 10, 12, 15 years ago. And I just sat there and I thought two full years, two full years, your entire life is just interrupted, paused, and you're sidelined. Like, what do you do with that? Um, and I started thinking about where was I two years ago? What was I doing? And what if two years of my life, I got wrongly accused and thrown into prison. And so I just kind of kept, I was fascinated with him from that point. And so when I had the opportunity to write another character study, because most of my studies are actually following some of the characters of scripture. And, you know, as we're walking through the text with them and discovering what they're learning, I thought, I really want to go back and write on Joseph. I want to discover what it's like to wait on God. And I really thought the study was actually going to be all about waiting, waiting on God. And I just started digging into it. And I actually realized it's not about waiting. It is waiting is a huge theme in his life, but it's really about trusting. It's really about learning to trust God, no matter the circumstances that are happening around us. Um, and he's just an amazing example to us of how to trust God, uh, especially when things aren't going the way we think they should. So that's, that's why that's why I went after Joseph. I love that the Lord paused you on that two whole years. What, what was it that you just said to yeah, two more years? Yeah. Uh, when two full years, two full passed. years. Yeah. Yep. I think that's the NIV. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? I think for us, when we're studying the Bible and we're looking at Bible characters, it's so easy for us to pass over those kinds of clues because we think about Joseph's life. If we know very much about it and we immediately think of how the Lord used him and the highlights and, uh, and the ways that he was sort of redeemed or brought back to some kind of power or dignity or something that had been lost. But I think we struggle more to, to say, how, how does God's goodness look in the two full years where we don't even know what was going on there. But as you said, what if that happened to us. I mean, when our life gets paused, I think we, I think we want to skip ahead of all of that. And what I hear you saying is, Oh, I think there's real value for not skipping through that. Yeah. And that's one of the goals, even with how I write these studies is remembering that each of these people. So Joseph, because that's who we're studying right now or talking about right now, Joseph lived his life in real time. We can read his story, these 13 chapters of Genesis. We can read it, you know, 30 minutes, say not, not very long. We get the whole beginning to end of his story, birth to death. And yet he lived every single moment of that. And so that when two full years had passed, it'll be so fun. Actually, I think in heaven to actually find out what was that like? What did you do for two years? Cause God didn't, God did not waste those years in his life. He was doing formative work for sure. in Joseph's life, because God wastes nothing. It's not like God just vanished for two years and Joseph sat down for two years, but we don't get any details. All we know is that two years later, he was still in prison. And that's when the story picks back up again. And I think there's all kinds of moments like that in scripture that we can blow over if we don't slow down enough to really read and wonder, okay, what, what would that be like? And I think it's a, it's a useful exercise to imagine what would that be like for me? And of course it's very different for Joseph. Joseph lived in an incredibly different culture an incredibly different day and age. 
uh, he was a man, I'm a woman. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's really nothing similar and yet he's a human made in the image of God. And so am I. And so there, there are, I think it is a useful exercise to imagine what it would be like, but not imagine too far, right? Like we can't also can't imagine into the text. Well, I'm sure he struggled with depression and I'm sure he, you know, had many dark days where he just didn't even get out of bed. Like we actually, we have no idea. Um, and in fact, I would imagine that it's not the case that that happened, but that's where my imagination goes. I'm sure he experienced the full range of emotion, but we do know that God used him in that prison, um, because the prison warden put him in charge. So he had some sort of task he was doing, but again, I just think it's helpful for us to slow down and imagine so that then we can walk through the story a little bit. Um, with, with a little bit more of a discerning eye toward what's really going on and what is God trying to teach us through Joseph's story. Right. And I think that a, a couple of things, I think, I think that it's, I think it's quite possible, probable even that no matter what form they took in those two years, there were dark days, there were doubts, there were, there was wrestling, there was confusion, right? Um, and we also know that he continued to trust God as we're going to get to, he continued to believe in God. And then there were moments, which, which, which there were moments when he was all in again, like, this is my choice to, to live by, by your love, by your commandments, by your guidance. And I think that can be really encouraging to us as well, because we're, it's not either, or for most of us. We don't, it's not for me. There are moments where I have a lot of questions and a lot of doubts and a lot of confusion and even resentment sometimes, or why are you allowing this happen to me? But it doesn't change the fact that I'm going to, I'm going to work through that. I've made my, I made my choice a long time ago. I'm not changing my mind. He is who I serve. He is who I love. I believe in his promises. I forget Mm -hmm. them, but I believe in them and I will reclaim them. I think that's one of the reasons I know you're such a lover of the Psalms as well. I love the, the, the hints that we get in the Bible where we can actually link a Psalm of David to a time of David, yes. because I think that's like what you're talking about, because we can say, oh, this was a Psalm that was written like when he was in the cave or something like that. You look at that experience in his life and then you can get a little bit of his heart in that experience, I think. And that helps us as he wrestles through, because the Psalms are filled with a roller coaster of emotions. In my opinion, I'm up, I'm down, I'm all over the place, you know, and yeah. yet this is a man that we study to be someone who was a man of God after God's own heart. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think just what you're saying, I value the Psalm so much because you do see that roller coaster of emotion and none of it's banned. Like exactly. God never says, Whoa, that's too far. You can't express that emotion to me. He it's like God welcomes because he knows we're hurting. He yes. knows we're grieving. He knows we're confused. And if we can't take that to him, then, then we're just going to get stuck in that. And we're not actually going to move through to the other side. We're not actually going to get to a place where we're, we're with God in the way of hope in the way of learning to trust. And, and that's what he's ultimately after. I think with us is how do I get Angie? How do I get Jody to be the woman that I want her to be and let go of all of these other things, no matter what's happening. Um, you know, even in the midst of these confusing things that are happening to us, um, how can, how can I remind her that I deeply love her and I have, I I do want what's best for her. And that is hard. It is hard to, to 
keep looking at God and remembering to trust him. And, you know, there's this moment in Joseph's life where he actually first goes into prison. So this is before the, you know, two full years of waiting, but he's first into prison. And it says that, um, everything Joseph did prospered Mm. and, and that God was with him. And that's not the best, you know, um, translation of that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that out of my memory, but the, the, that that's basically what God is saying in this story is that Joseph prospered and that he was with him. And I thought to myself, well, Lord, why couldn't you have been with him by keeping him out of prison? Why couldn't he have prospered without having to be sold by his brothers into slavery? Why, you know, and so all of the whys start to happen and that's, those are, I think in some ways they're okay questions to ask, but they're not the right questions to ask. Um, because I think we can get stuck in the, why did you let this happen? Why'd you let this happen instead of, okay, so what now? So what do I do now that I'm here? Um, or what does prospering look like to you? How do you need to help me see what it looks like to you instead of understanding what it looks like to me? That's because right. I, you know, I, I read that, I, I, I read that verse differently than I used to quite honestly, because God has taught me so much about the way that you want to be affirmed or prosperous or whatever the fact is maybe not what's best for you. And so it's not what I'm bringing to you. So as long as you continue to look for that as my prospering, you you'll yeah. be disappointed because I'm never going right. to do that. For, I, uh, I love you too much to do it that way. That's right. I really, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. And, yeah. And I, that's really hard for me to uh, admit it's hard for me to believe. And it's hard for me to learn. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we, we, we pray these prayers, especially younger. If I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had this, I'd be happy. And as we've lived years, we realize that having that, that's not the contentment that we're actually looking for. It is a deeper. And so I, I agree with what you said. And, and there's a whole portion of the study of digging into what does prosperity look like Mm. and when are we truly prosperous? Um, because I think even some of our, um, Christian traditions, um, have, have gotten this really wonky about what, about if you do this, then God's going to give you this. And that's, that's not how I read scripture. Yes. (laughs) Um, that's a, that's actually an old Testament reading, um, how he, how the, the old Testament, um, the people of Israel function, God gave them a covenant and said, it was an, if then contingent kind of covenant with them, but the new Testament, we live under the law of love. Jesus has come. And, and so we can't actually just take this. If you do this, God will do this for you mentality forward. Um, because God has done everything for us when he sent Jesus. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about times of uncertainty. We already are talking about that a little bit, but let, I'm going to push on that just a little bit more. Cause you, you wrote in the introduction of the study that you'd been through a season of uncertainty and that helped you look at Joseph's life to gain maybe more trust for yourself and to encourage us to trust God in times of uncertainty. I wonder if you just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I wrote the study actually at the beginning of all the COVID stuff. And so we're in lockdown, everybody's home. And it was, let's when just I, camp right there a second. You wrote a study and everybody's home. 
well, yeah, right. Also that. <laughs> well, I, my everyone being home at that point, my, both of my daughters are in university away. So okay. it was just my husband and I, so but still. it wasn't, I know, right. But still everyone and the dogs and nobody's leaving ever and all the things, but Yes. But it's also, I mean, that was the time that was already kind of on the calendar to write the study. So, um, and even this, and even writing about Joseph was on the calendar. And as I wrote it, it just became so real to me because we were in this collective time of uncertainty. Every single one of us was, um, was kind of bonded together with this collective confusion about what is happening in our world. Um, and, and in some ways it was a very, uh, a time of great solidarity, I think. And then of course there was tons of division as well in that same season. But, um, as I wrote the study, I was really writing from this place of uncertainty that I was even feeling in larger questions that were coming. But fascinating thing for me is I got the edits back and I had then entered into a very personal season of uncertainty where the Lord um, actually transitioned me out of a career, a pastoral ministry career that I had been in. I hate, I even hesitate to call career and pastoral ministry, the same thing, but my vocation as a pastor, um, he was transitioning me out of that and not really making it hundred percent clear exactly where I was going, but really just asking me and inviting me to trust him with my future. And so in so many ways, all of the things that felt comfortable to me, that felt known to me, those were all kind of spun up on their head. And I wound up in the season of going, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I got the edits back for the book in kind of, you know, a few weeks or months into the season. And I'm reading these words and I had multiple moments of just being stunned by what God had invited me to write, what the two of us had kind of worked through together and reading these words. And they started to minister back to me again. And it was, Angie, I've never actually had an experience like that before. And I know that's me getting out of the way enough to let the spirit guide, um, where I was going, because I was like, I, there were things I had written that I was like, I'd forgotten. I wrote that. And it was the exact words I needed to hear about remembering who my God is when I don't know what is coming. What can I know? I can know who God is when I'm confused about all the circumstances that are happening around me. What can I not be confused about? I cannot be confused about who my God is. And so just this reminder, this consistent reminder, go back to what, you know, go back to what, you know, what do I know? God is good. God is loving. God sees me. God has not taken his eyes off me. My calling does not, is, is not held by anyone other than God. And like just reminding my soul of these truths. And so that, so I think anybody that's going through any kind of question in their life. Um, and even if you're not, you're going to, <laughs> um, Joseph's story just has so much to teach us. It it's, he, he's really a gift to me through God's word and, and how he navigated the things that happened to him truly, um, just became such a source of deep comfort for me. And also the realization that it was a long journey. Yeah. Um, and that 
And that was even, I guess, somewhat comforting, although a little bit like, oh, but I really just, I mean, we live in such an instant society and in an instant world. I just want to know what the next thing is. Like if there's a, and two full years passed, can I be on the other side of the two full years yet? <laughs> um, but I know that I actually, I have to walk through it real time, just like Joseph had to walk through it. But I do know he, he's using all things for good because I know that's his character. Yes. Yes. What you were talking about just a moment ago, going back to his promises, I know he doesn't take his eyes off me. I know his promises are true. I'm not going to say it right exactly the way you said it, but I love that you had this little cadence of things that you knew. And that to me, it's that those are spiritual practices. I think, right. Those are things that you like, remember what, you know, remember what, you know, and how do we do that? And I, I know you start your lessons with spiritual practices. And I want to talk about that for just a second, but before I even ask the question around that, when you do that, that kind of spiritual practice, somehow you have this thing inside of you where you're like, Jody, remember what you know, right? That's what's what you're talking mm-hmm. about. What does that do for you? Like, I mean, even just physically, like what, uh, what does, where are you when you need to remember that? And how does that change something in you? If you would be willing to share, because I, I think I know that it does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Well, there's two, there's two things that come to mind. The first is Sometimes it's with my journal and my Bible in the morning and it's wrestling through what I need to lay before the Lord. Again, the doubts, the fears, the insecurities, the frustration, the anger, the pain, the hope, the dream, like, like, so the hard, the mundane, the hope, the good. Um, and I think just kind of working that out in my journal, I'm a huge journaler. And I need to write. Um, and I think one of the reasons I need to write is because one of the ways God has designed me is, um, so the Enneagram's given me some good words. I don't know if you have talked about that at all. Yes, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big okay. fan of the Enneagram. <laughs> so I'm an Enneagram three. And if you know much about threes, we don't actually like to feel a lot of emotion. And so one of the things that I noticed for me is that I will eject too quickly from the emotion, but when I journal, it forces me to slow down and actually write it out and carry it all the way through, which is very healing for me. So that's one of the places it happens. And it's kind of the more kind of methodical working out and reminding myself of what is true. But we all know that it's not just in our sit down time with Jesus that we wrestle with these things. It's as we move about our day, it's the enemy coming in through a circumstance, through a a whisper in our ear, through something that all of a sudden we feel like we're, we got spun, we're derailed a little bit. And that's where it's a deliberate choice. Um, And I think it's even just remembering. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's years lived with the Lord and it's knowing, okay, what noticing, being curious about myself, noticing why am I feeling that way? Asking myself the question and then just saying, stop right now. Those are lies. Identify the lie, tell it the truth. What's the truth. And so I think for me, it happens in two places. And that second place, um, can be a little harder because you, because I think a lot of times we want to nurse the insecurity and we want to sit in the frustration and we want to just let it go for a little while. Um, 
because that's the, uh, in some ways that's the easier thing, but that's the lie of the enemy is convincing us. It's easier to do that <laughs> because we do, when we remind ourselves of what is true. And when we do claim that again, in our heart and our soul, it does do huge transition, but it also, um, it also takes some work and it takes some diligence to pull yourself out of that space. And then again, of course, I know there's also listeners that are actually dealing with depression and things like that. And that's not this. Um, I mean, that's not when you have kind of the whole chemical imbalance happening in your brain as well. That's a whole different thing. I'm saying this is, you know, when all of that's well managed, this is in kind of the normal um, rhythm of living, um, not those exceptional seasons and circumstances. Yeah. And I, I think the thing, thank you for sharing that part of your personal walk with the Lord to encourage us all. I think that you're so right about that. I know when the enemy brings up a lie to me, I have learned that like, I try to separate it. Well, first you have to identify it. Sometimes that takes me more than a minute, more than a hot minute. I, I, I hate to admit, but it's true. Oh yeah. Uh, but, um, what's, what's the lie here that just is rejected completely. And like, what's the half truth that I need to speak truth over. Right. Because there's like this, it, it wouldn't be tempting to believe it if there was absolutely nothing there to That's nothing right. there to believe. Right. But there's something there that I can hang yeah. on to and play out as you were saying, you know, take it a step further and nurture it, cultivate it even, or I can say, Oh no, there is a piece of truth in that I did do that, or I am that, or I do struggle with that or whatever. And this is the truth that I can yes. speak over that. And that's, yes. I, you know, I think that's part knowing the word so that we know the promises part, mm-hmm. being able to know ourselves well enough that we know what, where we're the most vulnerable and uh, yeah. And having, and having spiritual practices. So let's talk about that just a little bit more. Yeah. Cause I know you start each lesson with a spiritual practice. What, what, why is that important to you? What do you hope the reader, the, the student of your study will gain from starting that way? Yeah. I mean, so the reason it's important to me is because I am a, a student of God's word. I love to study. I love to, um, just kind of dive in to the history and the context and the words. And, um, and that can be a very heady place. And that is not bad. Um, yet one of the things I noticed, and this actually goes back to when I was in seminary, when I was doing just tons and tons of head work, um, my relationship with God became more of an academic pursuit instead of a heart pursuit. And when I, and, and not that they weren't asking me to do heart things as well, but you know, when you're writing academic papers and you're reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of theology it just, it's, that's just what happens. And so when I came out of seminary, I was introduced to some spiritual practices that I'd never actually practiced in my faith before, like fasting, like sitting in silence before God and just being in his presence, not actually talking to him, um, uh, like giving generously, um, which, you know, I had been exposed to that one before, but like, but doing it in different ways or, um, you know, just, just practices where I could take head knowledge and move it to my heart into my hands. So for me, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to incorporate spiritual practices into all of my studies. When I started writing was because I do want you to pursue the head knowledge, but not divorced from actually living it out. And I think we can get to that place. I mean, we we live in a, a culture where we can listen to 
the most amazing preachers from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, if we wanted to, um, we can fill our ears with great truth. Um, and, and we just become, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, we just become these obese Christians, right? Because we're just full of knowledge overflowing. (laughs) And, and I think we, I think there's a, there's a rhythm, you know, just like in our physical body of eating and then working it out. Um, and, and movement, which is how God created our physical bodies. And I think that that actually applies to our faith as well. Um, feeding ourselves and feeding and, and having others feed us as well. Good teachers, but then working it out, practicing the faith. So I that, love that. that. My- I love that illustration. I think that's a really important illustration that we can hang on to. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff, Jody. So tell me within the Joseph story or, or not within the Joseph story, as you were writing it, is there a particular passage verse? And again, within the story, maybe it's outside the story even, but just something that had like you really clung to and maybe in moments it got hard, maybe for you never gets hard as a writer. I don't know, but I'm going to (laughs) guess there might be a moment or two where you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. But what was one, (laughs) what was one of the things you returned to, to kind of remind you of the why? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for me, I love the verse that everyone loves in Joseph's story, which is the very end of the story. It's Genesis 50, 20. And it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Joseph is telling this to his brothers. And, and um, if you don't know the whole story, I mean, read it. Bible study and read it. Gen- it's Genesis. so good. It's <laughs> it so is so good. good. Yeah. Read but it. His, his brothers sell him into slavery at 13 years old. I'm sorry, at 17 years old. And he, and it was 13 years that he kind of was in that space before God moved him into the next thing. And which was actually leading the nation of Egypt as, as far as being kind of the governor of the land. And he actually provided for the people because God gave him a dream. And so anyway, but the brothers, there's finally this reconciliation and it's a long kind of drawn out reconciliation between him and the brothers. Um, and the brothers are just very fearful that Joseph is going to retaliate and this is, and he's forgiven them, but they're, they're fearful again. And this is when he speaks these beautiful words up to them. And he says, don't be afraid you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And I just think you know, there are people that have intent to harm and that, and that's terrible, but there are also circumstances that feel really painful in our lives. And I think we can use, I think we can extrapolate the truth out of this verse, because it's also in Romans that God uses all things. He, he weaves all things together for his good. And it's still not saying that's good. Joseph never says, Hey, what you did to me was great. No, you intended to harm me. He's actually calling it evil. And I think that's, that's okay. And I think we do need to declare the truth of, no, this was terrible yet God, but God, and that's our God. He, he, and it's, and I don't understand it. Um, but he takes these hard, painful things and he uses them to make us into, um, people that are more useful in kingdom work. Um, because we become more like him because we are, um, more dependent on him. And so I just think that was, 
that was a, a beautiful verse for me as it is for so many people. And, um, and I've clung to it many, many times. And I may right now just be speaking to a younger version of myself, but I just feel moved to say this to anyone who's listening, who might need to hear it. And that is, there is nothing that anyone has done to you or anything you've done for that matter, nothing that has been done that is unredeemable by God, because it's so often the places that we want to run from, hide from, push, wish away that are the very places that God will miraculously, I can't explain it, miraculously use to bring about the most good and the most glory for himself. So I just, I just offer that up. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we, we want those Valley seasons Mm -mm. or, or those predatory, terrible people in our lives. Um, but we live in a sinful fallen world and we serve a good redeeming God. Yeah. And that's, and that's the work he does in the midst of all a good redeeming God who looks down upon his child and says, I don't want her to stay down. No. As a matter of fact, I want her to still fly, not, not Mm. in spite of, even because of like, I can use this thing, my child, Mm -hmm. uh, to grow Mm -hmm. you closer to me and stronger than you would have been without it. Again, he doesn't rejoice in those bad things. I don't believe that at all. Not at all. No. Oh, no. But he He grieves with, I think up there. Broken hearted. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And looks down and says, take my hand and we'll get up again. You know, I just mm-hmm. believe that about my mm-hmm. Lord. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, absolutely. I love talking to you about the way that you love the word. And I wonder if you would just share with us, pull the curtain behind your life just a little bit and, uh, and share some resources with us in this season. Is mm-hmm. there anything at all, Jody, that you're doing, watching, reading, studying, listening to, you mentioned your journal. Um, just what are you doing right now? That's kind of just encouraging you and keeping you connected to God. Yeah. I mean, so my time with Jesus, I start with a a book it's called a guide to prayer for ministers and servants. Love that book. Yes. And I'm not, I I may not have the title exactly right, but it's, um, authored and compiled by Reuben Job and a man, I think his last name is Shawshuck. Anyway, it is, it's, um, it's just a beautiful book of, uh, daily scripture reading, a, uh, um, med- you know, um, passages from other books, a, uh, a hymn. And so it's just, it's actually been a, just a really helpful book for me to, to start my day with the Lord and, um, they're based on themes. And so I, it's just, I don't know, it always just seems to be exactly what I need at the right time. Um, and because I, my work also makes I'm a, I'm a student of the word. So I'm actually writing, researching, I'm doing longer readings kind of in my work world. This actually devotional reading is just perfect for me. So that's, that's one of the things that I just, I love. And, um, it, there's a couple versions of it and I've done a couple versions of it and I just, it's just helpful. It's always been just, I, I just think it's a spirit infused God ordained book that, he allowed these two men to put together and I love it. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Jody. And I will link that in today's show notes and you can find Jody 
and links and places to go for all of her work at her website, jodynisnik.com. And I will link that and her book and all the places to follow her on social media in today's show notes. And thank you so much, my friend, for spending this time with me and for encouraging us the way that only you can. We just love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jody, for spending this Thanks. time with us. Thanks. I obviously, yes, we could, we could talk for days. So I'm grateful too. <laughs> and thank you friend for listening until next time. Peace. I love how Jody pointed out that God brought her attention to those two full years of Joseph's life. He spent in prison. We don't know the details about that time, but I bet you know what it's like to be in a season of waiting. And I hope listening to Jody today has helped you strengthen your trust in God muscle in whatever your two full years may be. Genesis 50, 20, this time from the message paraphrase. Don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good, as you see all around you right now, life for many people. The evil and bad and wrong things that we've been through, friend, can be the exact things that bring life to other people. I'm living proof of that truth. Next week, I have a little something special up my sleeve for you. I do a quarterly book club on the Steady On Facebook page with my besties, Lisa and Maria, and our fall selection was a historical romance by Julie Lessman, and she joined us to talk about why she writes passion with a purpose. We had a lot of fun with Julie, and I appreciated how she talked openly about passion being a gift from God and how she feels called to communicate a message that God calls us to wait to open that gift because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. If you'd like to support the ministry of Steady On, there are three things you can do and they're all free. First, you can subscribe to the podcast. That helps a ton. Second, you can rate and review this podcast because that helps other people find us. And you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter by visiting the website livesteadyon.com and clicking the orange newsletter button at the top. The link for that is in today's show notes. I always welcome comments and feedback, so please feel free to reach out to me anytime by emailing steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.